Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. This is part one of a sermon series titled Peace in the Storm. Pastor Robert Quintana brings understanding to what it really means to surrender yourself to Christ and shares his personal testimony and struggle with accepting God's calling for him into the ministry. It certainly is a joy to be back with you after being gone for the last two weeks. Uh, We, Heather and I, had an amazing time. It was uh, just amazing. Um, I would like to just take a few moments here and just share with you real quickly my, my four highlights of the trip. Can I do that? Four highlights of the trip. One was to see the Lord's Supper, Michelangelo's original Lord's Supper. It was amazing. I thought Da Vinci, I'm sorry, Da Vinci's uh, Last Supper. It was, uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, just a painting, you know, about this big. And I walk into the chapel, and to my amazement, it is a fresco that covers the entire wall of the chapel. It is about 30 feet by 15 feet. It is amazing. And they have just recently, as I've learned since, they've just recently um, renewed it. They've refreshed it. They've restored it. And so the vibrant colors were there. And it was just, it was just an amazing sight. Uh, something that you see, you know, on ho- at homes and uh, in books and in literature. And, and there it was live. My second highlight was the Michelangelo's uh, David. Amazing statue. 15, 20 feet high. And there he is. I mean, it was just, it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. That was my second. The third, the third highlight was the Colosseum. That was really cool. To walk through the Colosseum, to think that that was standing, uh, has been standing for so long. And it's really amazing that uh, so much of it is still standing, uh, that they haven't taken it for, you know, building other things. So that was neat to see. Um, And then uh, the fourth thing that I enjoyed the most of traveling through Italy was the people was actually getting to know people. Um, I have this thing that embarrasses Heather, but I like taking pictures with uh, the locals. And so every once in a while, if I get to talking to someone, I'll, I'll ask them, can I take a picture with you? And, you know, no, oh, okay. And so I'll take a picture with them. Um, and uh, just talking with them was just amazing. Just to hear their story, uh, just to hear what they think of America. Um, to hear them talk about religion and politics in their own country just fascinates me. And I just enjoyed that time that I have, you know, whether on the train or on the bus or, you know, in, in whatever tourist trap you're at to try and find a local and, and kind of talk to them. That was, that was really neat. One thing that surprised me was the turmoil that's in Italy. You know, living here in the States... You get so caught up in the situation here. You know, you get so caught up with the political scene, with the financial scene, uh, with uh, uh, the cultural wars that, that that are going on day by day. You get so caught up that you sometimes forget that the world is struggling. The world is really struggling. 
And as I talked to this one guy on the train and he was talking about politics of Italy, politics of his own country, he was just going on and on how frustrated he is and how he can't believe that Italy is doing this and that and and taxes and this law and that law. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Are we in America? (laughs) But yet, as you talk to these people, you can sense the unrest in their own hearts. That something is about to happen. That something big is about to happen. Uh, watching BBC World News, which is really the only thing we had in, uh, in, uh, in the hotel rooms that's, that we could understand. I learned that our country isn't the only one in a financial crisis. No. Germany, France, Britain, Switzerland... Japan, they're all talking about bailouts. They're all talking about what's the government going to do. And it was amazing to me as I visited with people and as I saw the news in Italy, the unrest that is being experienced not only in this country, but that is being experienced worldwide. And so I thought... That it would be good for us to talk about peace. Peace in the storm. Because as you know already, what we're experiencing now is really nothing compared to what's coming. In fact, the Bible refers to it as labor pains, right? And we know that labor pains only intensify and they get more frequent, And so what we're experiencing here now is nothing compared to what's coming. And if we are not at peace now, can you imagine what it will be in just a few years? And so I thought it would be good for us to talk about peace. And so today is the first part of a two-part series on peace. How can we experience peace in the midst of of the storm. Now see, I've just touched on external reasons to be upset. External reasons to experience that restlessness. You well know that there are many battles going on, perhaps internally, perhaps in your own home. Financial issues, marital issues, Family issues, work issues. And so we all struggle to find that peace that God promises us in Scripture. We all long for that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? And yet we head out of church to face a week and to face a week that's full of problems. Face a week that's full of of troubles. To face a week that's full of decision making. All of which bring restlessness. All of which bring an unsettled spirit. And so today, I want to talk to you about how we, as Christians, can find peace in the midst of of the storm how we can find peace not only from the external things but from the internal things that we struggle with as well this morning in the first service 
we sang a song, and I'd like to just share with you a verse from that song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I know we've sung that song many times, but in the third verse, it starts off like this. Perfect submission, all is at rest. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I want to share with you a time in my life where I was in a mode of restlessness. A a time in my life where I was not at peace. It started my sophomore year in high school. You see, because all my life, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be an engineer. In my sophomore year, something strange started to happen. Something weird. Something that I really can't explain. But something within me, someone was telling me, I was hearing, not audibly, which is what makes it weird, but I I was feeling impressed to go into ministry and to to become a pastor. But I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I mean, all my life, I wanted to be an engineer. Ever since I was a little kid, when in Sabbath school class, when the teacher would ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a cowboy. I would say, I want to be an engineer. I want to design. I want to build. And growing up with that, I was well equipped to be a great engineer, I thought. My math was good. That's the one area in school I always excelled in. Whether it was algebra or physics or calculus, whatever it is. I was in honor classes. My math was great. My grammar, spelling, well, that was something else. And <laughs> but my math was awesome. That's right. And I loved designing. I loved building things. I loved working with my hands. And so... Ever since I can remember, I wanted to be an engineer. So much so that my freshman um, class, my freshman year at Forest Lake Academy, they offered an architectural drafting course. And I was one of the first to sign up. And it was one of the best classes to this day that I've ever taken. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. We spent the first half of the year planning out, you know, drawing the group the blueprints for our home. We even had the opportunity to go around campus and pick a plot of land and we surveyed that plot of land and then we took that survey, we put it on the table and then we would put our design on top of that table to fit. I mean, it was pretty intense. The second half of the school year, we spent actually building a model of the home that we had designed. And to this day at home, In Florida, my mom's home, I still have that model of that home that I designed when I was a freshman in high school. That's what I was going to do. That's what I was going to become. And yet, my sophomore year, something weird started to happen in my life as I felt impressed to go into ministry. I said, no, no, (laughs) no, God, wait, you don't understand I'm going to be an engineer. God, do you understand how much money engineers make? God, do you understand how much good I can do with the money that I will make as an engineer? 
Do you know how much money, God, I'm going to be able to give to the church and give to, to those in need? God, pastors don't make that much money. There's no way that I'm going to be a pastor. And so, excuse after excuse. And the interesting thing is that every excuse that I gave God, he had some way of refuting it. He had some way of dismissing it. Whether it was through a sermon, whether it was through personal Bible study, whether it was in Bible class, there was always... God always would answer my question as to, you know, my excuse for not being a pastor. I remember, God, you know, being a, a, a pastor, not enough money. Now, an engineer, you realize all the good that I can do with that? Yeah, yeah, and it would just be a matter of weeks when I would hear a sermon on, on, a, on, on what is it, profit a man. To gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. Oh, man. And so I'd come up with another excuse. All right. My grammar isn't very good. I'm not very articulate. You've heard that one before, huh, Matt? Moses used that one, right? And so, no doubt, the Lord would lead me, whether it was through a sermon or through personal Bible study or in Bible class, he would lead me to the story of Moses. Where Moses gave that same excuse. And God said, who made man's tongue? All right, well, that one. I would go on to the next one. God, it's not for me. I mean, God, my father isn't a pastor. I really don't know any pastors. I don't have connections. I mean, it's just not possible. And sure enough, within a few days, maybe weeks, God would challenge that and say, who puts up kings and who puts down kings? That's for me to to determine. And on and on. This went on for three years. My sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. This went on. This battle raging on internally in my head that I wanted to be an engineer And God wanted me to be a pastor. Raging on. For three years, I kept on giving excuses. And God faithfully kept on giving me answers. Excuses and answers. And this battle going back and forth. And I got to tell you, those three years of my life, I was not at peace. Has anyone here ever heard of senior survival? Senior survival? Who's heard of senior survival? That's right. Senior year, it's, I guess, the academy's uh, way of their, their last chance of, of trying to bring the senior class together. Or maybe they feel this is our last, you know, hurrah to try and get these kids to dedicate their lives to God uh, one way or the other. And so they, they take the entire senior class and they take you out into the woods in the middle of nowhere. They give you a a, a few uh, 30-gallon trash bags and some duct tape. And they say, okay, we need you to build a shelter that's going to last through the weekend. And, uh, you know, we're going to ration your food. Doesn't sound like much fun, but it actually turned out to be quite a blast. But here you have 130, I think 136 was my senior class. And you have all these kids out there at Senior Survival. 
trying to fend, you know, the elements. And uh, they had a guest speaker. His name was Pastor Chuck. It's amazing how you kind of remember these things through the years. But Pastor Chuck had an amazing talk Thursday evening, just before we were to hit the sack. And you know how I've been telling you that for three years, it seemed like almost every sermon or almost every Bible study, every Bible class was like directed to what God was placing on my life, the call that he had in my life. And sure enough, Pastor Chuck had one of those messages that just spoke right to me about how we need to give our lives to God, how we need to give our lives to his service. And that night I remember laying in my sleeping bag with this battle raging on in my head and me saying to God, no, I am not going to do this. I am not, I do not want to be a pastor. There is no way, no way that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And while I was was lying there in my sleeping bag, you know, God is tricky sometimes. I mean, God, man, he just has his ways. He impresses me to go ask the other guys that are with me if they want to have a worship. And so I think to myself, well, that's actually a good idea. Why don't we end the night with a worship talk? Now, you need to understand one thing is that I was placed in a group of guys that were, um, you could say, the, the rough bunch, you know, the, the cool guys, the, the guys that can run the fastest, you know, the guys that had girlfriends, you know, the guys that were always getting in trouble, the guys that, had, that were driving campus, you know, driving around campus with the, with the, with the fast cars, you know. And uh, somehow I had been uh, misplaced, I thought. I was like, you know, where are my friends, you know? We were kind of all scattered around the camp, you know. And so when, when, when God impressed me to invite these guys to have worship, I was a little bit timid. I was a little scared, I have to admit to you. But I thought, you know, who knows? Good idea. So I go to our chaperone, I go to our leader there, and I ask him, I said, I said listen, I said, uh, um, do you think it'd be a good idea if we kind of wrap the evening up with a worship talk or something? Uh, just, he says, yeah. Great idea, Robert. Go get the guys together and, and we'll, we'll do something. I go, no, 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 no. I'm just suggesting it to you. No, no, you, you know, he says, no. He says, your idea, you go get them together and I'll prepare a little something. I said, all right. So I go over to the, you know, the first uh, makeshift uh, tent and kind of, you know, Hey, uh, 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 Mac, uh, Mackie, we're going to have a little worship, you know, no pressure. If you want to come, you know, no big deal. But if you want to join us, you know, great, you know, and I go up to the next guy. Hey, uh, Sean, uh, hey, listen, we were thinking about maybe having a little worship, closing with prayer. No big deal. No big deal. You know, um, you know, if you want to stay, you know, no problem. You know, we're just going to, if you want, you know, and, and so I did that. I went all around the, 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 the camp there and invited the guys to, uh, to join us in the campfire, around the campfire to, to you know, just end the evening in a sh- short worship, maybe prayer time. And, and so there we are, we're gathered, we sang a couple of songs. I'm sure Kumbaya was one of them. Uh, but uh, we sang a few songs and, um, and then one of the guys that was around the circle um, 
just kind of began to talk uh, from the heart, kind of what he was dealing with and what he was uh, wanting from God. And, and, uh, and then the next guy, you know, the next guy, his turn, he started talking about um, what he desires in life and wh- what he wants in life. And then um, Mackie, I remember, a guy who kind of joined us halfway through the school year because he got kicked out of a school in L.A., involved in gangs, had the tattoos to prove it. Um, one of these rough guys, he kind of starts to share about his life and his desire to give his life to God. And I'm just kind of sitting back here, kind of looking around the circle, thinking, my goodness, what is going on? Kind of sense the Holy Spirit there moving in the lives of these young men. And, and uh, one by one, these guys who I thought would never give their lives to God or these guys that were here around the circle who I never thought had it in them to give their lives to God were all of a sudden giving their lives to God. And after two hours of sharing and crying with one another, there we were in, 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 in the, 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 the night, the darkness. There we were crying hugging each other, holding hands, praying for one another, giving our lives to Christ. So I remember going back to my sack, going back to my sleeping bag and and, uh, just kind of scratching my head, thinking to myself, what in the world? What just happened there? And I sensed God speaking to me. That wouldn't have been possible. If you had not planted the seed. None of that would have taken place. If you had not stepped forward. And I said. God. I know what you're trying to do here. No. 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 I do not want to be a pastor. For the rest of my life. There's no way. And in the quiet. Of that. 30-gallon trash bag uh, held up by duct tape. And God said to me, God said to me, I need you because the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. I went to bed, went to sleep. I got up the next morning. We had an awesome day. To make a long story short, on Friday evening, the same thing happened. I felt impressed by God to call these guys to the campfire and to have a worship. The same thing happened two, three hours later. After singing songs, after crying, after holding hands, after embracing and giving our lives to Christ. Yet again, I found myself battling in my head, just battling. I don't want to be a pastor and, and, and God saying to me, but I need you. I need you to step out. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And, and it was interesting because everything that I had been telling God for the last three years, every excuse that I'd been giving him for the last three years was racing through my mind. And every time I gave that excuse, I was reminded of the answer every time. Saturday came, 
And here we, was, here we were, Saturday afternoon now, by the lakeside. And the pastor, Pastor Chuck and Pastor Tommen, were in the water, inviting, inviting the, 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 the seniors to come forward to baptism, to give their lives to Christ in baptism. And so, I remember standing on the shore, and I see these guys heading forward, giving their lives to Christ. And in my mind, the battle is raging. It is coming to a head. It is climaxing. For the last three years, I have been putting it off. I have been fighting it. With everything, <laughs> with everything that I knew, I was fighting it. And there I was standing on the shore of this lake, fighting it. And if I can explain it to you, the best way that I can explain it to you is that it was as though there was this dark cloud that was over my head. It was as though there was this, this heavy, dark cloud just over my head and I was not at peace there was I mean there was no way it was like this battle going back and forth are you going to do what I've called you to do or are you going to do what you want to do are are you going to put your life in my hands or are you going to follow the dictates of your own heart and it was this battle back and forth back and forth and I remember Closing my eyes and, and everything around me just kind of went silent. There was nothing else going, ar- going on around me except this battle raging on, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was fighting it. And I remember going in that time. I mean, in that short period of time, I'm going through all those excuses, through all those reasons why I'm not going to be a pastor. I remember going through every single one of them, and I remember God challenging every single one of them. And finally, he said, will you surrender? Will you surrender? I remember just as if it was yesterday when my life changed forever. Because in the quiet of that moment, I said, God, I surrender. Now see, I wish you can experience what I experienced that day on that shore. Because when I said, I surrender, that cloud, that dark, heavy cloud, that battle that was raging on was gone. In an instant, It didn't fade away. I remember that when I said, God, I surrender. It was gone. And I experienced, I believe, the peace that the Bible speaks about. The peace that surpasses all understanding. I experienced it that day on that shore. You know what's interesting? 
I really didn't have any answers. I, I really didn't know where I was going to go to school. I didn't know what my next step was going to be. I really wasn't even sure if God was going to show up as he, as he did for Moses. Like, I, I really didn't know, you know. Pastors don't make that much money. I'm not going to be able to support the church financially as I once thought. You know, th- those things were still there. But you know what? The difference was I now had peace. Why? Because I surrendered. We're all, every single one of us here today is seeking for that peace. Is seeking for that peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that says no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens to me, I'm at peace. I am at peace. You may be dealing with financial struggles right now. Many of us are, probably are because of the economy the way that it is. And, and we're having to cut here and cut there. And we're having to, to say, okay, we can't pay this bill this month. And, and so we go a couple of months and say, well, we, we haven't paid this bill in a couple months. So we should probably pay. And, and there, there's unrest you may be dealing with a, a whole other different kind of struggle where, where you're battling and you're hoping to break the chains of addiction and, and you're trying to find peace from that and you can't because it's battling back and forth, back and forth. You may be struggling at work. You may not be at peace at your work because you feel like you're not going anywhere. You've been there 10, 15 years. You haven't been promoted. You haven't gotten a raise. It's not what you want to do in life. It's not fulfilling to you. Your marriage may be in a state of unrest right now. It's not what it used to be. We've been married now 20 some years and, and it seems as though the love is gone. It's just not there. And, and, and you see someone at work that, that, that uh, you know, catches your attention and then the battle begins. We're all struggling with trying to find that peace. And the reason why I share with you my testimony here this morning. It's because I tell you from personal experience that the peace you seek will only come when you surrender. Now listen to me. Not when you surrender the problem. Okay? Which is what we, we've been taught to do so much, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a time and place for that. But, but not so much when you surrender the issue. The peace that you seek comes when you surrender your life. When you surrender your life. And you say, God, I'm yours. Here I am. All of me, not just part of me, no, all of me, here I am, here I am. You see, because in that context is when you will find the answers to the issues and the problems that you're dealing with. But when you say, God, 
I surrender. Here I am. All of me. I don't know the answers. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know how you're going to get me out of the financial struggle I'm in. I don't know how you're going to fix our marriage. I don't know how you're going to deal with my children. I don't know how you're going to work out this work situation. You may not know the answer. But I can promise you that when you surrender, you will experience peace. You will experience that peace that surpasses all understanding because now you find yourself in the hands of God. Now you find yourself in the hands of the one that can answer all of these questions and find a solution to all of these issues and problems in your life. You want to experience peace this morning? The answer is surrender. I'd like you to take your attention to the book of John. Turn with me to the book of John. And if you notice... John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Here we. Heading says Jesus washes the disciples feet. And if you read through these next few chapters. You notice that there is an underlying theme. There is an underlining theme. As Jesus knows that he has only but a few more hours with his disciples before he's betrayed and crucified. The underlining theme is this. Jesus is teaching them. Surrender. Surrender. You're going to go through a tough time. You're going to be. In a state of unrest. But if you want the peace. To make it through. You need to. Surrender. There in chapter 13. We know the story well. Jesus. Takes a towel. And he takes the water. And he starts to wash. The disciples feet. And he gets to Peter. And you'll remember the story. Peter says. Uh uh. No way, not me. And Jesus says, no, no. You don't understand. If you don't let me do this, you have no part with me. You have no part to do with me. And so Peter says, he says, then all of me, my feet, my hands, my my, my head. Jesus says, no, wait a second. Your feet is all that's necessary. Peter, I need you to surrender. Not your way, my way. Surrender to me. And as you read these chapters, as he talks about the foot washing, 
as he talks about the bread, as he talks about the wine. Later on in chapter 14 where he says, let not your heart be troubled. As he continues, as you read these chapters, the underlying message there is surrender. Surrender your life to me. And I'd like for you to read with me chapter 16, chapter 16, verse 32. Chapter 16, verse 32 here, we're kind of getting to the end of, of his time with the disciples that night before they head out to the garden. In verse 32, he says, indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own. And, and I believe that there he's talking, obviously, to the disciples about how soon they're going to be scattered when he's uh, arrested. But I certainly also believe that there's implications there for us today, referring to the end time. He says, indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone, he says. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And then verse 33 says this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In who? In Christ Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They're a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 